right. Welcome to the Sober Heathen Podcast. I am the Sober Heathen. Uh, I am an alcoholic, and my problem is Scott. Uh, anybody listening today, I'm, I appreciate you doing so. A uh, couple quick notes before we get to the guest. Um, the fundraiser has been, um, and as far as my uh, opinion goes, the fundraiser has been uh, a success. Boxes and boxes of things, um, hygiene products, clothing. Um, the last day of that is Friday, so if anybody has anything sitting around that they want to get rid of, uh, Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, we're going to take that up to Harbor Hall and uh, hopefully uh, put a little light in uh, some people's lives that are out fighting for their lives uh, during the holiday season and away from their families. Um, so with that, the guest today is Laura. Uh, Laura is not um, somebody in recovery from addiction itself. Laura is somebody that is in recovery from dealing with somebody or living with somebody, being in a relationship with somebody that is in recovery. Um, I've said it before in my podcast, these people in Al-Anon, uh, they are just as important as those of us like myself in recovery because, you know, we have laid, we've blazed a trail of misery and sadness. And uh, these people need to share their stories to get to to get that out and to heal just like we need to do. So uh, I'm very honored to have Laura here. She's uh, she's a, a self-motivated. Um, she has all kinds of things going on. So check out her on Facebook. Um, this uh, she's been very supportive of me and my journey. And I, I can't tell her enough how much that um, what that means to me, the, the like, the shares and the friendly comments. Um you can't have enough support and recovery. So, um, you know, it, even if we don't touch somebody else today with this, if somebody doesn't listen to this and, and, and touch their lives and help them move forward, we're going to help ourselves by, by having this conversation. And that's that's super important. So that said, I'll let Laura introduce herself. And then uh, we got some questions and we'll let her hammer them out. Welcome, Laura. Hi, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. I'm truly honored. Um by this opportunity, because like you said, we're helping ourselves. Um, but my, I know my path and my journey is to help even if one person or, but I really feel God has led me to, I want to help hundreds and thousands of people through this experience. And I know it's very prevalent in today's society. Um, so I just want to help as many people and touch as many lives as I can through my journey and through my experience. So thank you for, for allowing me this opportunity to share. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. And I, and I know you already have. So even if this podcast doesn't reach the masses, um, you're, you're, you're doing something great on an everyday basis. And I see that. So thank you. So um, before we got uh, together, when we decided we were going to do this, I sent you just five simple questions um, that I felt were important um, so we'll just go through those one by one then, and, um, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So one thing, uh, this actually came up, uh, in my family, I won't get into details, but this came up the other day and it was presented to me as if, um, this addiction is a choice. Like, uh, they presented it to me like, well, I can't believe that you chose to do this way and, and, and be this way. I don't know when your priorities changed. So in your opinion, uh, with what you know now, and what you've gone through, do you believe that addiction or using is a choice? Um, to me, it is, it is a choice. Um, because every day that person has a choice, 
to take that drink or not to take that drink. So it definitely, it is a choice. Um, but it's definitely, there's so much to it. Like if you were raised that way and you grew up in an alcoholic home and, and you saw your parents like that, or maybe your grandparents, or it's definitely can be a generational family disease. And I've definitely seen that over the years. And, um, and so if, if as a child you endured that trauma and you never healed from that trauma, then yes, that is something that you're used to. And that is something that you're comfortable to for, and you will revert and do that unless you choose to do something differently and to change that trauma and to, to deal with those layers of pain that you've endured. So, so yes, it's, it's a choice, but you know, I also, um, when I moved out in May of 2021, I, um, I moved out of my home. I had to get out of there because it was very, very dangerous for me. And Um, I was married for 23 years, just to give you some history about myself. And I was very young when I got married. I was 23. That's ironic. It just hit me. I was 23 when I got married and divorced at 23. Okay. Anyways, and we're coming up to 2023. All right. This is all like interesting. Okay. Light bulbs go off still every day. (laughs) (laughs) So I was very young. I was very naive. I was in love. And I knew, I mean, I wasn't dumb. I knew there was issues. I saw now looking back, I did see some red flags that I should have been more in tune to, but I was in love. The glass, the eyeglasses were glossy, <laughs> whatever that saying is. I don't know. But, um, and I thought, oh, he's not going to turn out and be like that. You know, he'll be something different. <laughs> And, and I, and I saw so much potential, like, and, and there were so many things that drew me to him. And anyways, um, so I just, I just thought it would be different and, but not really realizing what he had gone through as a child. Cause I didn't, I wasn't there. Right. And, and then after, you know, years go by, you realize this, this, something's not right here. Like, I don't see other families of friends that I know experiencing this all the time and these things. And so they just, they start, I start to question a lot of things and you start to learn about a lot of things. And, um, so I realized that when I moved out, I started like researching cause I'm a huge researcher <laughs> and, I started researching books on alcoholism. I started researching what um, alcohol does to your brain, how it how it shrinks your brain as time goes on. And the, the average lifespan of a typical alcoholic is anywhere from 49 to 52 years old. And so as time goes on, it, things get worse and progressively worse, right? And And I would read things like, um, the reason that person was causing so much chaos in our in the in our family's lives was 
that was just one of the things that that they liked to do was drinking would cause chaos. And so the drinking started way earlier in the day as time went on, just earlier and earlier. And I had to get out of there for my safety's sake. And I knew I couldn't let my children see this go on any any longer. Um, Having them watch how I was being treated, I did not want them to carry that on into their families. And I didn't want um, the the children to do that to their future spouses and I just, I, I needed, I needed it to stop. And I knew by moving out that I, I don't know. I didn't really even know what I was doing when I was moving out. It took many people to open my eyes to things that was going on. And it took um, a lot of encouragement to get me out of there. Um, but I, I finally like had my rock bottom moment, right? We all hit our rock bottom moments, whatever that is in your life. And my rock bottom moment was Christmas of 2020. And um, my boys, we were all in the kitchen and there was a conflict, an argument going on in the kitchen. And I, and I know this is completely wrong, but I'm just being completely real and sharing this. But um, I looked at my one of my older boys and he's very strong and very, God gave him a very strong build. So he's a strong. And I said, I won't say his name, but I said to him, I said, um, you are bigger than your dad. Now you, you need to, um, kick, yeah, you need to kick his ass for everything he's done to us. Basically is, is what I said. And then I, stopped myself and I'm like oh my word you just said that to your child about their dad so I removed myself from that situation I went and sat in the chair in the other room and I just sat there completely frozen and knowing that that was wrong I'm like and and then he proceeded to come in and say that he was gonna get a gun and shoot me in the head but um Anyways, that went on. So I knew that was my time that I needed. Like, I was like, okay, I have to do something. What am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And so that was in December of 2020. And then April of 27th, 2021, I call that my freedom day. Um, we were going to watch one of my boys' um, baseball games. And I was driving, and the the entire time I was driving, he was belittling me, calling me all kinds of names in in my in my car. We got to the to the game, and um, he was just it was just the whole situation was very uncomfortable of what was coming out and what was being said and all that. And and after we were done, I was in my car and he was with me and I just looked up at the sky and I was driving, (laughs) but I just had this flush. I don't know. It just came over me. 
I looked up in the sky. I started sobbing and I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And then I'm like, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. And then I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Like all of these things were just coming out of me. Uh, um, it was like really my freedom moment at that, at that time. And I'll never forget it. I'll always, that will always stay with me. Um, and I knew, okay, I was, I was like, I let it go. I was able to let that go. And so I was, um, so then I had to find a place to live and, you know, just all the things like, what am I doing? Okay. One step, one step, one step. And, um, even that time when I knew I was moving out and I found an apartment and it was going to be ready for me in a month or so. Um, so I had to live in the house until I could move out. I didn't know what I was doing. And so of course, you know, I was trying to like stay away from the conflict and you just try to make it peaceful. And, um, and so I, I even ended up accidentally going, I was trying to go to an Al-Anon meeting and somehow I accidentally ended up in an AA meeting and I sat down and I listened to the whole thing and they're like, we're pretty sure you're in the wrong meeting. And I'm like, yeah, I probably am, but I think I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> like I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, it was, it was very eye opening. We'll just say that the meeting was so, um, yeah, that was a lot that I didn't even know I was going to say. So here we are. That's no, that's awesome. And then good for you for um, your Freedom Day. Good for yeah. you for being strong enough to do that, especially a mom with kids. And, you know, you have a family that's really hard to do. And I've, uh, you know, I've been on the other end of that of somebody deciding they needed freedom from my actions. Um, it's a very brave thing to do. Um, uh, I agree with you that it is a choice. Um, and it's a choice up. From my, from what I've learned, it's a choice up until we take that first drink. And once we decide that we're going to take that first drink, it's all downhill. You have no more choice. So as long as we as addicts can stay away from that first drink and do the things that we know that we need to do, we all know, like, you know, call that person that you're supposed to call. So many times I knew who I was supposed to call. I'd call somebody else because I knew they wouldn't tell me no. You know, I hang out with this friend because he drinks and he, he thinks that I can turn into a social drinker. You know what I mean? So I agree with you. It is it is a choice once it gets uh, uh, pat up to that first drink. So once that first drink enters, man, you lose everything. So, okay, man, that was great. This is awesome. Um, all right. So the second question I gave you was, um, so how have your views changed uh, on addiction uh, since you've lived through what you lived through? So like, I, I know a lot of times people think, um, there's this uh, thought like when I was growing up, you know, I had family members going through addiction. And I thought, oh, man, they're just they're just losers. They're just terrible people. Um, and sometimes that's the case. I mean, if you're going to be uh, verbally or physically abusive to somebody, you are a douchebag. I'm sorry. You are. Um, but um, so as far as addiction goes and how you look at somebody going through addiction, you know, how has this changed? Has it? And, and yeah, how's it changed? How's your thoughts changed on somebody going through addiction? Um, I have a lot more sympathy towards people now that are either that are on this journey of either they're still drinking or, um, you know, I just have a lot of sympathy, but I don't agree with 
if you're being physically abused, mentally abused, you have the choice to get out and make a difference. You don't wallow in it. Don't. Um, so, so yeah, I do have sympathy. I, I want, I want to try to cheer them on as much as I can and, um, help support them, how, whatever that looks like. Um, but I also understand the other side of it. Sure. And I, I think the best thing sometimes, and and it's hard for people to do, but uh, the best thing that happened to me was the person that I loved the most had to let me go. And I, I had to experience that. Um, sometimes that's um, that's the rock bottom. But, you know, that rock bottom only stops when you stop digging. But yeah. that, you know, losing losing that, that's a tough decision to make. I, I, I know it is. And it's a very brave one to make. And um, I think, you know, I think more people, they think oh, they're going to die if I let them go. Well, they're going to die if you, if, and you're going to die if you stick it out, especially if it's any kind of abuse. So, yeah. Yep. Good choice. So, yeah. and you know, it's ironic. You said that. So that was your rock bottom moment. You would say for you. It was the beginning. It was the beginning of the end. I mean, it, it was uh, because for me that happened. And then I just threw my hands up and said, screw it. And the next couple months uh, until I went to treatment, I guess it would have been about a little over two months. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to die, but I didn't care if I lived, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I remember the day when, when my stuff was packed up and I knew what was happening. My alcoholic brain said, well, you don't have to deal with this. Just get everything in the truck as fast as you can and let's go get drunk. And that's that's where my mind went initially. And then it wasn't until, you know, I started to have some sober days and some people, you know, still in my life, you know, I began to realize well, you just gave everything up for this. Mm-hmm. So I, I I asked that because um, when I moved out, I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't file for divorce right away because I, you know, I, I thought, oh, well, me moving out is really going to prove to him that I was serious about what I was saying and I was following through on what I said. And I truly thought that would have been his rock bottom moment. And who knows? I'm who knows what I would have done. I don't know now that I know now what, you know, but, but who knows? I might've even thought, Oh, if he's going to work on himself and and get better, maybe we'll make this work. I don't, I mean, um, but then I didn't, it got progressively worse. What what you had just mentioned, it it got way worse. I would have never expected how bad it really got. Sure. Um, so I, I used a lot of acceptance oil and I had to go, it was very emotional. Um, but just accepting the fact that I felt like he did throw our marriage away. Um, and I loved him. So, yeah. So thanks for sharing that too. I hope you don't mind my question. <laughs> no, no, this is a discussion. So it's, it's yeah. not a one way street. This is a discussion. Yeah. This is good. I, you know, for me, and I am, I, I don't know this person and this is not a defense. You know what I mean? For me, um, you know, I, I, I chose alcohol to deal with the problems that I didn't know how to deal with. 
you know, my, my love for my kids and my love for my significant other at the time that never went away, but outside appearance, you know, evidence would suggest otherwise, it would suggest that I cared more about the drinking and being passed out um, all over the place in the house, you know, um, or in a parking lot or driving down the road, evidence would suggest that that wasn't the case. Um, and, and as a person, you know, um, as a person going through that and living with it, you, you have to do what's right for you. Um, and I think that you made choice and you seem much stronger for, for it. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, that doesn't mean that you don't, uh, you don't care. Um, you know, I'm sure you, that you hope someday you see him sober and, and happy as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. okay. Um, so you, you find out somebody that's going through a similar situation. Um, what would you say to them? Um, you know, then they're, let's say they're in the early stages. They, they don't know. The question is, what would you say to someone who is in a similar situation to where your journey began? So they're starting to see red flags. They're starting to like, man, what do I do? Knowing what you know now, being at this point in your journey, what would you say to them? Um, first of all, I would help them work on establishing major boundaries because that is what I didn't have. And I know that about myself now. I was living in trauma bond and codependency. And those are things that I've had to work through and really hit hard in my life. And um, so I would present this to them and really like help show more and more red flags. Like this is not okay. That's not how you're being treated or what's happening. This is not okay, but you can't accept it either or else you're living in codependency Um, just by saying, Oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. So, um, I wish now um, that I actually would have gotten out and left sooner. Um, I know you can't take things back and and I believe everyone has their journey for a reason. And so I needed to go through those things for the, for whatever reason. Um, But if I can encourage someone to leave sooner, especially if you're being physically abused and mentally abused, you need to get out, especially for your children's sake. Like it's, it's put so much damage for my family. And, um, I just, I wish I would have gotten out sooner. I really do. Sure. And I think, uh, I think telling your story is going to help people maybe realize that the biggest, the biggest thing is, you know, uh, I learned in treatment connection is the opposite of addiction. And I think that goes the same for the Al-Anon group too, because we gotta, we gotta help people find that connection so they can hear these stories and realize, you know what? I left and I'm fine. You know, I let this dude go. You're going to have stories where I let, I let this man or woman go and, then we found each other again and our lives have never been happier. You're going to hear stories there. I let this person go and now I'm happier than ever, ever because I went this direction and they need to hear both those sides so they can be brave and, and make that choice. You know what I mean? So I think sharing your story and what I would, what I, what I do uh, with people that I talk to that, you know, I've had a couple of people come to me that are like, I don't really know if I'm an alcoholic or not. It's, just go to a meeting or listen to the YouTube speakers. Cause I know going to meeting for some people, like it's embarrassing for both for addicts and Al-Anon. It's like, I don't want people to know that, you know, my family's going through this, you know, but 
listen to it online then. Go to online so you can listen to it in, the, in, in, in your home and hear what they have to say, but you don't have to go through that. Hopefully everybody can get over that embarrassment because in person and talking to people and seeing and feeling that emotion live is, is very important. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, you have to find what works best for you too because Al-Anon, I... And plus, you know, we just got through COVID. So um, a lot of things were closed, a lot of in-person meetings and that. And that's really so sad that that, all of that had to happen because people were trying to reach out and go to meetings and they just couldn't go for a long time. So it was online though. And and online is great. I mean, I attended Al-Anon online and, but I, it wasn't for me. Because I felt like I was in a completely different place than where those people were. Um, Because they were still living with their alcoholic, many of them. And I had already moved out and I was ready to to dive deep into learning. And and I just felt like they were um, complaining about their situation and they wanted to see that person change, but they hadn't realized that you can't change somebody. They have to want to change themselves. And a lot of those people in Al-Anon were not there. They didn't, they hadn't recognized that. They didn't think, Oh, I got to really work on myself and figure out what I'm going to do and what, and where am I going to change and where am I going to grow? And I couldn't relate to those Al-Anon people. I had to dive deep and look at other avenues and I researched I mean I went to groups um somebody invited me to celebrate recovery I attended that and it and, and it was good I and there were so many avenues to that celebrate recovery and you could pick what classes you wanted and but again it wasn't resonating with me and so I made this big Facebook post and I said help Please help. Who can you guide me to that I can talk to? And, you know, reach out to your resources because you'll be amazed at the connections that people give you. And so I I had tons and tons of responses. And I even had people private messaging me to help me. And one um, woman that I had never met in person, but we had got to know each other because of my business and different things, right, over the years. she said, Laura, I help women go through these situations and I help women heal their hearts. And so when she said, heal your heart, I was like, "Mm, okay, I want to try this out. Like you're speaking my language, right? Right. I'm like, I knew I needed to heal my heart. And um, so I met with her and she has her friend. So it was like co- um, not therapists, but co-coaches, or I always just call her my therapist, but you can whatever <laughs> you want to call them. It was amazing. And I did that program with her and her friend um, for, for nine months. I went every Tuesday morning for two hours for nine months. And I'm so grateful that I did that because they really, like, I had to find someone who was going to dive deep into me put me in my place when I needed to be put in my place. And she gave me homework and it just was phenomenal. So, so that's the kind of healing I needed. Um, and then after that, 
um, we had an incident happen in June in our family and I'll probably get into that maybe. But after that, I realized that um, I needed a different kind of healing. And so I called up, there's a local domestic violence um, support called EVE. And I called them up and I started going to that therapy program. And one of my boys, I took him with me and he got his own therapist and I got my own therapist. And, um, and that has been phenomenal. I've been doing that consistently since July, all these months. And every week we go deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and I'm so grateful for that. So I don't know. Does that relate to the question? I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that. Uh, so this is uh, this is good stuff too because I think um, both sides, multiple pathways are the way to go. Don't don't uh, you know uh, funnel yourself into okay. I went to an AA meeting. Um, I didn't like it. I'm yeah. done because there are multiple pathways there for everybody. So Al-Anon is like the AA version um, for the, the for the family members. So. That doesn't have to be, and it, and if it doesn't work for you, that's fine because, like you said, yeah. there's other pathways. So, yeah, and make sure we'll we'll get together afterwards. Uh, any information like websites or whatever, I'd like to put it on mine uh, for oh. for people that'll be able to. Okay. That are for looking sure. for multiple pathways, so we'll yeah. add that to the website. So, okay. Um, what is the best part of being where you are now because of this experience, and what is the hardest part about being here? What has been the hardest part? Going through experience, I think we figure that out. Well, not out the pain, but what is the best part of being here, too? Healing. I mean, just diving so far, like, you know, they always say it's like peeling off layers of an onion, and it really is. It's like going deeper and deeper in your healing, and your eyes are open more to it, and... um boundaries has been my biggest thing this this year 2023 um between myself kids um my ex and then even being able to recognize manipulation now I wasn't the best at doing that and I know that and now when I'm working with people because I I work in a people business (laughs) I am so grateful that I can recognize manipulation easier and easier and easier because I've always been that person where I always see the best in you. I, I'm here to cheer you on. And, and I always do. And I always will still reckon, you know, be that person, but I'm not as naive as I am once was. And if I can see manipulation, I do now. And and it's amazing. And I'm, and it's so funny. It's like, I'm so happy that I can recognize manipulation. <laughs> it's hilarious. That sounds funny, but it really like, it's such a freeing moment to me. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Boundaries, boundaries are huge on both ends. Uh, there's a difference yes. between walls and boundaries. Walls keep everybody out. Boundaries. Yeah. Okay. I'm stepping away from this. I'm not dealing with this. There's, those are two very big things that are very important. Recovery for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. So the worst part, I was really thinking about that question. And um, 
you know, here I am, I'm in an apartment. Um, I mean, like my whole life has been uprooted. And so you think like, you make plans for your future and with your person and, and, um, so I, I just don't know. I, you know, I have dreams. I'm dreaming by myself. And what does that look like? And, um, so I guess just the unknown part of it. Um, I know that I'll have my person again, because I have a lot of love, love to give to somebody and, um, yeah, the whole dating app thing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard this from other people and I've got some ideas in the works of, I don't know, something fun. I, I always have something in my mind of something in it. So I don't know. It's, it, we'll, we'll see how all that works out, but I guess just the unknown. Sure. Unknown. Yep. Yep. Okay, so looking back at what you know now, um, would you do probably a, a yes? Would you do anything different? Because I think you kind of answered this earlier. You said you would have left yeah. sooner. It's, it's, I, yeah, I would have left sooner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, I wish I wish I would have left when the kids were younger, but then. You know, that whole alcohol thing didn't get worse until later in life. So in my mind, I just thought, oh, we just need to go get help. Let's go get therapy. We'll make this clashing piece. We'll make it work. All couples go through crap. Mm-hmm. Like marriage or relationships, or they're not easy. So, sure. so I just thought that that's you know that was a lot of it and so I was willing to put in the work and do whatever it took but then as time went on it just got worse in the last couple years was the worst um I know COVID didn't help our family any any um because he wasn't going to work yeah you know he's working from home so that too and and this is my experience but I believe an alcoholic needs that distraction of going to work and doing their, um, I don't know. It just wasn't, it wasn't good being locked in your house. Sure. Sure. No, it, 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 it wasn't helpful. It wasn't helpful, but, uh, you know, I did, I've done a lot of therapy hours or done a lot of counseling hours in the, in several years now, since 2018. Um, and that 2018, I mean, that's over, you know, that's four years ago. Um, and I didn't make that decision to try to actually get better until January of this year. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can go and talk to people and you can go to meetings and you can do all those things. But until the alcoholic decides that I want, I'm ready to stop this. Right. You know, you can go through the motions. And for me, um, I was uh, I was working at a job where we didn't get shut down. We were the only crew working. So what did I do? I took my drinking to work with me. Okay. Yeah, there was no oversight. I had uh, the one of the last days there. I had a fifth of vodka in my passenger seat driving around a chemical plant. You know, and then I woke up in the hospital. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, it's it, it, we need to keep 
as alcoholics and addicts, we need we need to have positive distractions, but they have to the the intent has to be has to be good. If the intent is just say, look how good I'm doing. I'm I went to you know three meetings this week and I I got a counselor. That's that was me. Look look how good I'm doing. Right. And but I wasn't it wasn't doing anything because my intent wasn't to get better. My intent was just to appease the people around me. So right. I yeah. It's all about intent. It's all about, you know, the yeah. alcoholic addict deciding that they want to, to be done with it. Mm-hmm. And until that happens, and I, I hate to say it, but it's nothing's going to change. I do want to say that um, for a long time, I didn't report the domestic violence that was happening because I knew he would get in trouble. So again, I was trying to protect him. Codependency. And so I didn't. And, um, and, you know, he would repeatedly say, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. I'm sorry, I won't do it again. He even wrote me a letter how sorry he was. He didn't know what was wrong with him, why he was, you know, all these things. So I would believe him over and over and over again. And I didn't talk about this. I didn't, I held it all in and you can only hold your emotions in for so long before you're completely numb to all emotions around you. I was literally buried alive is how I, is how I look at it. And, um, so I finally, you know, after I moved out, I thought, oh, good, I won't experience any more domestic violence. Like, you don't, like, I thought, I'm free. Well, it was wrong. Um, a year ago, pretty much, coming up, it's December. So uh, on New Year's Eve, I experienced domestic violence for the last time. And um, my friend encouraged me to call the police. And I had never done that before. And she said, Laura, even if you can't, you know, just drive yourself down to the police station. And I was like, no, uh, no, I have a chiropractor appointment. I'm I'm just going to, you know, like, I was just going to carry on with my regular life. But I went home and, and I'm like, man, my arm really hurts. Maybe I should just look at my arm. I looked in the mirror and it was a huge bruise just from that little time that it had happened. And it just progressively got, was getting worse. And I'm like, okay. So I drove myself down there and with COVID, the doors were locked or whatever. I don't know. So somehow the police came to my car. He knew I was so nervous. I was shaking and I barely could lift up my arm to show him the bruise. And he's like, wait, I need to take pictures. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It's right here. You know, like, but he was so sweet and he interviewed me. And I have to say, you guys getting um, police involvement and the courts involved. Oh, it was horrible, but it's a must have. It was a must have for our family. It really has helped our family immensely having that done because you have other people on your side that is trying to protect you and your children. So um, I would do that all over again. And I would have called sooner, call sooner 
get help sooner. I let that happen for years and I didn't call sooner. So um, call, make the call. It's been so worth it for our family. Yes, and if these if these uh, these guys that are struggling in addiction, if they truly love their family, in the end they will appreciate you for doing that because they will not they will have remorse um, for putting you guys through that. And you know, with that said, you had mentioned you know I'm sorry, and he wrote a letter. You know, uh, another great thing that I heard in treatment was saying sorry is just a form of manipulation without change. So. Sorry means nothing coming out of my mouth to the people that I care about anymore. Even even as I'm working hard on my recovery and, and doing podcasts and doing all the things that I'm doing, sorry means nothing. I have to show it. And, yeah. you know, as we are told in, in recovery as addicts and alcoholics that um, it's a selfish program. You need to do it for yourself. The same goes for those who are affected by it. You have to be selfish. You have to make that phone call. You have to protect yourself and your family. It's you're not actually being selfish. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, you, you, you think you're, you're, Oh, well, what about this person? Well, fuck them. They have a problem that they need to deal with. Yes. I, I it's, it's a disease and you can have that debate, but you have to look out for number one, just like when you go into treatment, uh, the best thing that my sponsor told me to do was to just stop calling people while I was in there, mm-hmm. you know, while I was in there, I was focusing on myself because every, Every phone call that didn't get answered or every phone call that went south, it was bad for me. You had to be, you have to be selfish. So just like what you did, it's not selfish. So I hate using that word, but you got to think for yourself. You know what I mean? Because, and so you, you did the right thing. So I hope anybody that, that listens to this, that may be going through this, I hope they make that call now because you said so, because it's the right thing to do. And mm-hmm. if I, you know, I use that as an excuse. I was never physically abusive to anybody. I never, you know, I never hurt anybody. So I'm not that bad. Shit. Yeah, but the mental anguish of not knowing, you know, uh, what you're going to come home to is just as bad as the physical. So abuse is abuse. So looking back now, if somebody would have called, um, called and put me away, I mean, today, looking back, I would have been like, I, I get it. You did what you have to do. So, yeah, don't be afraid. Make that call. No, for sure. So that's it for the questions. You got anything else you want to throw in before we uh, say goodbye? Any questions uh, that you'd like to ask? One thing that I'd, I'd like to turn this into one day, if I could do a live stream is like live questions, you know, because sometimes, you know, people that uh, live with an alcoholic, you know, there's questions that they have and they're afraid to ask them. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would open, be amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm an open book. So, if you know, if you have a significant other that, you know, you just wish you could understand, I, yeah. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, that would have been so good. Yeah. Because because when you are living in denial and shame and embarrassment, you um, don't talk to anybody. So if if somebody would have posted this on their Facebook and I could have watched it and learned and or maybe I could have even like secretly wrote out a question. um, I mean, at least it's starting to help people realize what is happening to them and and just talking about it puts it out there more and more and more so i just encourage you to talk about your situation share with people don't keep it held in i mean my poor parents didn't even have nobody knew nobody knew so 
Think about the amount of work and effort that went into that. Yeah. yeah. To not to to keep keep that in. I mean, uh, this my, just I called it my dirty little secret. Yeah, so much energy, so much energy. You know, it, it hiding that, hiding from my side, hiding the alcohol, and and waking up in the morning and trying to figure out ways to get the next drink. You know, so much energy that it, it just doesn't need to happen. If we act right away when we know there's a problem, get out of that denial, and yeah. and be brave enough to to seek help. That's yeah. I think that's a good. If anybody takes anything away from this, I think that's act now because life is too damn short. It is too short, and yeah, for sure. Well, this is awesome. I really appreciate you doing this, Laura. This was uh, this is really cool. I got to hear um, more of your story, and um, and like I said, I you folks that we we have put through hell deserve a voice, and um, that's you're the first guest. So hopefully, your voice is heard, and hopefully. You know, if we're lucky, somebody will hear it and they'll be able to make the change in their life that they need to make. So, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, this was awesome. Um, you know, you, is there any any last thoughts before we, before we go? Anything you can say anything. I don't care. I'm not, I don't have sponsors or anything like that. You know, so, I mean, if you need to plug anything, you're more than welcome to do it. Um, I just encourage you if you're going through that situation. Um, there, oh, a book that's really helped me is called Why Why Did He Do That um, by Laudy. So I don't even know. Now I don't remember. I, sh- I wish I had the book right here, but I don't. Um, but there's also a kid's version. And so oftentimes when, um, and again, this is from my learning and my own personal experience, but when kids witness dad hurt their mom they're more than likely to um have that belief that that's okay and then that creates that cycle of of abuse and that's why it's carried on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation so if you can um stop that and get out for your kids sake um do that and then instantly get you and your kids therapy and get help. Um, you are you are helping your future generations immensely because you you are breaking the cycle and you're breaking the generational curse. Uh, whatever you, however you want to look at it, just do that for yourselves because you don't want to carry that into your grandkids and the next generation do you want to know that you have tried to put a stop on it and that you're making a difference right on. So, i don't know i just felt like i was supposed to say that so. right on right on well uh, a, a good book that i think that would help both sides um it's called search for serenity it's by lewis presnell it's a really good book it explains everything in, in a lot of detail so if, if people are looking to read and learn more about it um search for serenity is another good book so awesome Awesome, Laura. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this will get posted. Uh, it's going to take a minute uh, to to do all the things you got to do, but it'll be posted on Facebook, and then I'll send it to you in Messenger and okay. uh, post it on the website. So, okay, awesome. Thanks, Laura. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.